0: What's going on, everybody? My name is Tristan, and you're about to watch the Bethel Moments podcast. But before we get into this, make sure you subscribe, comment, and share. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode nine of the Bethel Moments podcast. Today, uh, we're going to talk about a number of topics, but one that we're really going to be talking about is mental health. And um, that, that is just a, such a crisis with everything going on right now in the world, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. Um, and I just felt, well, we were talking, and I really feel like uh, I should share a little bit of my story. Um, I struggled with um, uh, suicidal thoughts and depression for like two major years from I was 16, and 17. And I went through a lot through that situation. And then uh, I had an encounter with God that turned everything around and uh, he healed me from it. And um, I haven't had the, I haven't had that uh, experience since. And I've just had nothing but joy, love and peace, like all the things he brings. And um, I feel like God wants to do that for one of you guys today, he wants to set you free, and um, so tune in and listen to this all the way through. Um, and I believe that you will have an encounter with God. Um, so today I have my friend Kat Francis, um, she's a fellow BSSM student as well. Uh, she has her own ministry called um, Soul Freedom Now, and um, she is extremely prophetic. Um, before we started, we uh, just had a prayer time, and I felt just a jolt of the Holy Spirit. And I, I really feel like there's power on her, um, on her voice and on everything that she does. So I'm gonna go ahead and give her the floor and uh, let's go. Welcome. Uh, thank
1: you so much, Tristan. Thank you for having me. Thank you, uh, community. Um, I, I so agree with Tristan, you know, I was a crisis support counselor for um, Crisis Hotline, which we did prevention, intervention, and um, post-intervention. And the thing that really came out, you know, that Bible verse, um, God is not giving us a spirit of fear, but a power love and a sound mind. So when you think about mental health and we think, well, God gave us, did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love and a sound mind. Well, mental health has to do with uh, my mind's not as sound. So where does that come from? You know, a lot of it comes from fear and and, and certainly we don't want to minimize um, uh, mental health. And I think the church, unfortunately, has not done a good enough job of addressing it. Um, while we address it from a spiritual level, there are other aspects to to consider. Um, I'm currently writing a book called um, God, Faith, um, Religion, and the Mental Health Crisis, and really just addressing what does that look like. You know, religion as a whole is our attempt to try to please God, and Hebrews says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So think about all the things that we try to do to please God and the basis of faith it's just believing God is who he says he is. Believing that he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And so when you think about that, those, just those two things, I mean, I could throw a lot of verses at you and that would be great. But let's just think about the tenets of that, right? God created the earth. He said it was good. And in some parts, he said it was very good. Obviously, you know, people had issues in believing God and, 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 and all of that. And it led to a lot of drama, right? I mean, from Cain and Abel to all the stories we read, trials and tribulations and trauma. I mean, it's, it's throughout the Bible. So certainly when we say that, you know, I'm not saying like, oh, you shouldn't have any problems. And even when Tristan talks about, you know, having a life filled with joy and peace and all of that, you know, the Bible says the kingdom of God, which Jesus says is at hand is righteousness, peace, and joy. Peace means you're free from torment. Joy means that you have happy, that laughter is good medicine you know, righteousness is living a life that, where, you know, you accept Jesus's uh, forgiveness for what that is and the truth of this word. And the truth of the matter is, you know, I've been doing corporate training, I've taught college, I've been in the space of speaking for a very long time. And I realize that there are a lot of, you know, I have four categories of people, um, and, and there's a lot of people that may struggle with who God is and Jesus is, but they believe the principles of God. And the thing that's so crazy is, I've seen the principles of God work in the lives of people that believe the principle of God more than people who say they believe in God. And so I said that to saying that as we deal with the mental health crisis, like it, it's indiscriminate of socioeconomic status, of you know, poverty, of that. It, it just is that. I think a lot of us to do it, you know, where are our beliefs? What are we saying? You know, we are snared by the words of our mouth. And you know, we focus a lot on right or wrong, but you know, God focuses on life or death, right? Life and death in the power of the tongue, and what are we saying? What are we speaking? What are we listening to? And so, as we navigate through the mental health crisis that we're speaking, how can churches? How can we as believers help people through that process? And it's more than just saying, "Don't be afraid, fear not, brother, fear not, sister." I mean, that sounds great, but if you've ever been in ISIS, you ever somebody told you, "Have faith, it'll be okay." You no know, person passes, and like, oh well, they're in heaven with Jesus. Like, I understand that intellectually. But my emotional state is fear, experiencing a loss. I'm experiencing uh, the devastation on you know, the Bible says a hope deferred makes the heart sick. And as we navigate through the different crises that people are, are experiencing through anxiety, through fear, through disappointment, through loss, you know uh, coming off of, of COVID where you thought you had faith until you have no job and no income. <laughs> you know that part, what do you do with that? Uh, navigating through that and the anxiety and the fears that come with you know the unknown, And so a lot of our mental health crisis comes in really what we believe, what we think we believe, and what we don't really believe, right? And so um, throughout the Bible, you know, we talk about help our unbelief. And I think that, and God has definitely navigated uh, things to me. And most of the things I've learned, I've learned because I've had to deal with them. I I don't, I didn't learn it because I, I read a book, although I read lots of books. I learned it because a lot of times I didn't do it right. I was like, okay, God, let me do all this. I'll please you. Why isn't my life working right? How come this isn't happening for me? I've done A, B, and C, and I went to church, you know, real Pentecostal, so we didn't miss church. <laughs> you, know, you miss church, you're going to have a bad week. You know, that, that's what we believe, right? And so, we confess those things over our life and then we reinforce that like oh I didn't go to church on Sunday because you know I went to my cousin's birthday party and oh you know like my whole week was just falling apart I mean I mean and it sounds so simple but honestly it becomes a crux of our life that life and death is the power of the tongue and you will eat its through and so if you believe that missing church was going to cause me if I believe missing church is going to cause me to you know, have this terrible week, then I was confessing that and putting that out there, right? And you get COVID. I mean, the irony of COVID is like, you know, oh, you can't miss church for that. Now, you know, we missed church for two years. You, know, you can't go to the building and now what do you do? Um, and so I just feel like the spirit of fear has gripped so many people. And um, I do have a degree in psychology and human development. I'm not a psychologist. I'm practicing a psychologist, you know, Um, but I've studied this. And I, and, I, and when I first got it, um, I'm 50 years old, you know, that was, it was taboo to study psychology because it's like, oh, you know that. Um, but I was like, well, if God's supposed to heal the body, you know, maybe he wants to heal the mind and think about it, you know. And now, of course, I'm more versed in a lot of those things, but, you no know, he tells us that we're the mind of, we're supposed to have the mind of Christ. Think of things that are loving and a good report And anything that we're doing that goes against that is going to create a, 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 a foothold for the enemy to come in. And that foothold, when not dealt with properly, becomes a stronghold. So we can be afraid of a lot of things, but it's still a spirit of fear that God has not given us. And so part of where we need to go to help navigate that is to help people understand what, A, what lies are they believing? Um, what are they afraid of and why? What is that belief? A lot of beliefs that we have come from different religious ways of us trying to please and appease God that sometimes feels like we can't never please him. You know, and so this idea that we can't overcome sin, you know, and I think it starts from the idea that when we become believers, when we believe on the saving uh, knowledge of Jesus Christ as our savior, just belief. Um, a lot of times in religion, we spend a lot of that energy post-Christendom in trying to manage the old man, right? Trying to manage our sin nature, trying to manage who we were and try to fit that into this belief of who we have been told we are, instead of navigating and developing the new creation model. The Bible says that, you know, when you believe the old things are passed away and you are now a new creation in Christ. And much of religion is spent on on helping us develop or navigate and manage the old man, so it looks like a new creation, instead of giving us the tools to walk in our new creation. So what does that look like? Religion is a set of beliefs that governs the way we live our lives. And we live our lives by our we right or wrong? Do we do it good or bad? And God doesn't necessarily look at it that way. He looks at it as life and death and the power of our tongue. So what are we saying? You know, the elements of faith are um, no matter how good or bad things are, we believe that God is who he says he is, that God is a good father. And there are a lot of people that don't believe that God is good. And so, if you don't believe that God is good, then the elements of your faith is only limited by who God, who you believe God to be. So, I ran across this. Um, I ran across these images looking for a screensaver, um, a couple about a month ago, um, and it was. Uh, I like the whole tiger lion theory, whatever. So, I was looking for that as a screensaver, and I ran across these animals. And one is called a a, a liger, and the other one's called a tiger So, super cool. I was totally enamored. Um, And so, let me tell you the difference of a tiger, a tigon, and a liger. A liger, a lion is the father, and the tiger is the mother. Interbreeding. A tigon, a tiger is the father, and the lioness is the mother. Interesting facts about ligers and tigons is when the lion is the father the animal could grow to like almost 1200 pounds almost twice the size of the father when a tiger is the father a tigon, the 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 offspring will only grow as big as the father will never typically get past 400 to 500 pounds isn't that crazy when we elevate the things of god above all that um that's happening in the world and when he says in this world you will have tribulation we will have trials we'll have that, but I have overcome. When we come to the place where we believe that above every situation and circumstances, we begin to break down the tenets in which mental health is built off of, which is a spirit of fear. A fear of something that, that could happen, that shouldn't happen, all the different things. And I can get into all the technical things, which I won't do that here, traumatize you all. But the idea that we are not elevating the truth of God's word above every circumstance. God knows the end from the beginning. He is not remiss or surprised by anything that's happening in our life. He's simply saying that we need to elevate the truth of his word above every situation that we face. And I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do. I'm not saying like, oh, it doesn't matter. That's not it. There's a really emotional response that comes along with the things and trials of life. We have to submit those things to the things of God. Many years ago, um, I was at a Bible study and um, the pastor was talking about the disciples going to the other side and they was course, talking about the storm and the storm, you know, the disciples were like, oh, Jesus doesn't care if we perish and wake them up and all of that. And, um, and of course, Jesus rebukes the storm, but then he rebukes the disciples. And so I asked the pastor, I said, so what should they have done? He says, what do you mean? I mean, if they weren't supposed to be afraid, if they're supposed to like disbelieve, like, I mean, they're in the middle of a storm. It wasn't like, oh, I think a storm is coming. They're in the middle. The boat is being tossed through and to and fro, right? Like so many of us in our lives at different times. He says, well, I said, well, what what should they have done? And he was like, what what do you mean? I said, well, if they weren't supposed to wake Jesus up to help them rebuke the storm, if they weren't supposed to do this, like what were they supposed to do? Because we always talk about what they did. Oh yeah, Jesus rebuked them. But like, well, what should they have done? And he just talked about believing that once Jesus said that they would get to the other side, they should have the belief that, that, that they would have. And so from that, you know, I began to practice, you know, laying down the boat with Jesus. And that's what I had to start telling myself as like I navigated through different seasons of my life, some very challenging, some like, oh, okay, you know, some things that were challenging that people told me they were challenging. I didn't necessarily feel they were challenging. I'm like, well, I'm laying down on the boat with Jesus. If he's going to lay down, I'm going to lay down, you know. And that was really it. And it, there were these little, you know, cliches and different things that I've learned that I've adopted that I try to encourage other people. So, um, kind of fast forwarding you know, really to the mental health dynamic. Is what does it look like to lay down with Jesus in the boat of your storm to trust that when he says i'll get to the other side then i will um and as working as a crisis support counselor um i got had a lot of people that would call i mean we got thousands of calls a week and we were 24 hours and people would come and they had anxiety i mean there were men who were afraid to go to sleep afraid to take showers i mean i'm just talking about basic like how to function in life how do you I mean, how do you function if you're afraid to go to sleep? Um, just so many things. And, you know, in the natural thing, like, well, of course you go to sleep. And, you know, we say those things, but I mean, I'm talking about real fear. I'm talking about gripping fear. People who, you know, in, in, in Christ's support, you know, you have some people that, that, that want to live, but don't know how. And so you're trying to give them the words and you have people that want to die. You're trying to keep them alive, right? I mean, that's, that's the, the, the dichotomy of it, right? I mean, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what's going to happen on the other end of, of that call. And there are so many times where, I mean, all the training did not prepare me for answers. There's times I'm just sitting there like, what do I say to this person, right? I mean, having a degree in psychology, a beginning in development had, you know, and the, and the company trained us so well. There's so much information on the right questions and things like that. But there were times it's like, God, like, give me something. And and I'll tell you that there were times where the best thing was a compassionate presence. I had no words for the trauma that someone explained to me. I had no prayer for for that. You know, um and of course that sounds sacrilege to the religious person. But sometimes the person just knowing that someone is there for them without judgment, without criticism, without you know, some condemning word. Um, sometimes that was a good place, help the person kind of work through the word process, and then we could interject truths, truths from identity. You know, dealing with you know people from LGBT community. What did that look like for them? What's the real pain that came out of you know not having identity or being confused about what that identity might be? How society impacts identity? How our parents relate to our identity, right? And while we look at that as you know identity confusion, these different language that we use for the LGBT community. A lot of people, whether they have an identity with their sexuality or whatever, struggle with identity, who who am I? You know, from the beginning, God made us in his image. He says we are created in the image of God. Let us make man in our own image. And from the time we're born, we're being told what that image should be. Because oftentimes, while we have been created and birthed in God's image, the image that we, uh, you know, that imprints upon us is who our parents say we are, who the world says we are. Do we attach well to our parents? Do we like our parents? we like what our parents believe, right? Uh, do we agree with them? Are they reinforcing who we believe we are? We all struggle with identity. While we want to, you know, a, a, a string of one particular people, it's just true. We are made in God's image. God is a faithful father. He's a loving father. He is kind. But God comes not only as father, but he comes as friend, but he also comes as judge because the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. Not only does he accuse us to God day and night, but he accuses us to ourselves. He tells us and points out all the areas of shame and guilt and all the ways that we failed. And we begin to buy into that, unbeknownst to us. Even a strong believer that like, oh, no, I am who God says I am. I believe what he says. and I mean, those are great things. And, and I'm so glad that we have those confessions. But do you really? Are you willing? Walt Disney made uh, the princess um, move, movies. You um, started with us. A- Snow White, and then um, Sleeping... And there Snow White, and there's three of them, right? There was Snow White and um, then Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty was a flop, right? There's two of them. I think it's Cinderella and Snow White, but don't get me wrong, I'm, they're somewhere in that thing. Um, and, and Sleeping Beauty was a flop. Now, Sleeping Beauty, if you look at it, it's very dark, but it talks a lot about prophetic and the prophecy and things like that. It's very interesting to watch the Disney movies so my spiritual lens. But because it didn't do well, Walt Disney made no more princess movies for 30 years. 30 years. Didn't mean he didn't have other successes or whatever, but for 30 years. And I say that to say that even the most successful of people can be challenged with identity and success and failure, shame, guilt, and condemnation. From that, uh, the next one from after those 30 years was um, The Little Mermaid. And in The Little Mermaid, of course, he uses, um, you know, Hans Christian Anderson's Little Mermaid and, you know, made a Disney movie. Um, but if you look at all the Disney characters, I mean, they they have so much trauma, but we kind of rush through them. And unfortunately, a lot of churches, that's what they do. We got this trauma, believe, and you just rush through it. But we forget about what it takes to, to have a mom who died or father who died and be raised now by a stepmother who doesn't like you. What does that look like? And while, of course, a lot of us were waiting for that prince or princess to come and save the day, you know, there's trauma attached to so many uh, of the experiences that we have. We rejected, um, you know, the spirit of fear. How did the parents respond in fear? So, in in Sleeping Beauty, because there was a curse pronounced on her, they, they fearfully ran away and kept her away from her family for 16 years. And they were like one day short of keeping her away. But it still didn't stop, you know, the thing that was spoken over her, going back to life and death in the power of the time. And I feel like that in the season of fear, in the season where um, God has said we're made in his image, we're gonna have to start taking authority over those areas. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we believing? Why are we having fear? What is paralyzing us from not only stepping into that? And how do we navigate failures? You know, um, you know, I, I said I, I have different types of I categorize people into four categories. So, you have the unbelieving believers, you have the believing believers, you have the unbelieving non believers, and you have the believing non believers. So, what does that mean? There are people that identify with Christ and Christianity, but they don't have faith for anything outside of their salvation. They don't have faith to take big steps, they don't have faith for healing, they don't have faith for life. And I'm not saying from a place of condemnation. But where does a mental health crisis come? You go to church every Sunday, you get these tenets of this is what Christianity is and this is what it looks like, so forth and so on. Um, and again, you a lot of church is spent on you know, managing our, our our old men. And so, but in walking a life of faith is, God says I'm an overcomer. He says, I'm going to get to the other side. So part of the conversation has to be, how do I get from here to there? When I face disappointments, when I am facing the trial and tribulation that Jesus said would come, right? And then you have the um, the unbelieving non-believers, and they don't believe anything, right? They don't have the salvation as a a crutch for what they believe in, but they also don't believe in. So they're they're ravaged by the fears and the trials and the news and, and what is CNN saying? What do you think that? And, and there's nothing wrong with reporting that information, but if that's all you feed on. You don't adopt the mind of Christ. You don't think of things that are pure, loving, and good report. Then mental health issues and challenges are are, are are gonna come because they go against, you know, God says that the, that the spirit of heaven, that it's, it's in each and every one of us. And so we have this belief that our life should look a certain way, but then we have all the things happening around us. And it's like, yes, yes. And we begin to have agreements with that. We not only agree with the enemy, we agree with the news, we agree, agree with people That are sometimes unbelieving unbelievers or even unbelieving believers, right? They believe in the tenets of faith or of Christianity, but they don't believe that we are overcomers. You know, they don't believe that while God did tell us we have all these things, that we'll have rumors of wars, that we're victorious. They believe that these things are gonna overtake us, and this is how we know this is the last days. So you can imagine how any person struggling with mental health and believing that could be confused about well where's god in this situation then you have the um believing unbelievers and to me those are like so much of what i consider the the unchurched right they may not have found their faith yet but they believe in the principles and the precepts of the bible they believe in a lot of these things while they may not have confessed jesus christ at this time they have a certain tenets of belief of faith of of encouragement, you know, when you fall, when you struggle, when you're in those trials and tribulations, there are the people that come alongside with you because they believe that on the other side of that challenge or that thing that, you know, you're going to be okay. They're the ones that take you in and they nurture you. And, and it's like the, you know, it's like the good Samaritan. What we call them the good Samaritan, you know, the reality of it is, is that the person that was a priest that should have had all the tenets of faith and belief, they walked to the other side. You know, they have the good person, oh, I'm going to be late to, you know, whatever my, my, my appointment is. But then you have that person who will stop and walk alongside you, set you up in a hotel, right? I mean, because look at the, unbel- the unbelieving believers, like, well, I got to be a good story of my faith. You know, what if I give them the money and they, they go and they do drugs? What if they deserve to get beat up? We're not asking the right questions, right? Because we're now judging, like, if they deserve to be in that situation. Yeah, throughout the Gospels, Jesus never asked. When a woman was caught in adultery, he never asked like, girl, didn't you know he was married? You didn't know that. Why would you go be with that kind of guy? I mean, he never asked that question. He's gone. But you know what he did? He knelt down in the dirt with that person. And he said, you without sin, cast the first stone. But he goes a step further. Only he ask, where, where are her accusers? But he says, neither do I condemn you. And so we're gonna take those stories and we're gonna talk about mental health and what that looks like. About what is the church's role in helping people navigate through mental health from chemical imbalances and all the different things that, that encompass it. And, and we can't obviously cover that in a in short period of time. But there are some questions that we do need to ask ourselves. Are we spending more time asking people why they're in that situation? What should they be doing? Or are we spending more time asking God to break through and give us the divine revelation? And what are they believing that's keeping them in bondage? Mental health has many tenets, and I don't want to pretend like you know, what I'm saying is like the only thing because it's not. But from a, a religious, from a church standpoint, from a Christian standpoint, are we willing to be inconvenienced to walk alongside people as they navigate through their mental health and physical health issues? Physical health is a little easier for me because I have cancer or these different types of things. It's, it's a little easier to walk alongside, but mental health is like it's unseen. And so we have a lot more condemnation for it. But the truth of the matter is, is Jesus walked alongside people no matter what their their issues were. God told us to have the mind of Christ, to think of things that are pure, loving, and a good report because he knew how important our mental health would be to overcome the, the things of the enemy. He says, without faith, It's impossible to please God. Think about all the things we do to try to please God and where we fall short. So it becomes vitally important that as believers, as church, as as, as people of faith, that we not only um, point people to the God who can and who is able to save, but that we humble ourselves enough to walk alongside people as they navigate through whatever those challenges are. Because there's a lot of tough questions that we have to ask and we have to peel back what, what are the lies, not only from our family, but from enemy, from society, that have led us to a place where we no longer wanna live. The Bible says that the enemy seeks to kill, steal, and destroy, but i come that you might have life and have a more abundantly. What does that look like if they're living in poverty? Does God really want me to have abundant life? Mental health is an encompass of all those things. It's an intersection of what we believe, of what we've been told, about what we believe, about what we believe, about what we should, believe, we should be believing, and about what God says. It's not really one thing, you know. Salvation is in the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy, which Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. And a lot of times we have salvation and we believe that we're going to heaven. We don't believe the same for the, you know, the righteousness, peace, and joy that we don't believe that we're free. That means that we should be free of torment. Doesn't mean that we should have abundant life, and Paul talks about that. The brother, I come that we might have life and have it more abundantly, right? We talk about, um, you know, uh, brother, uh, I believe that you should be in good health as your soul prospers. You know, to prosper even as your soul prospers. There's so many different verses that talk about that, but then we make people feel galled if they if they're prospering. Do you know, brother? Well, the Bible says it's not. Either you know, it's harder for a rich man to enter the eye of Benito. Than it is for you know uh, a rich man to get into heaven right these kind of things but if you read the verses after the disciple says you know well then who can enter in because they didn't see themselves as poor right so we have a lot of these mixed things and i'm just giving different examples of where mental health breakdown can come and the different things the church says right you know my favorite is you know we spend a lot of time teaching how to climb the mountain but in mark 11 22 22 24 it talks about you could say to this mountain be cast into the sea and it will obey you so are we spending a lot more time trying to teach people how to climb up a mountain or are we telling them and teaching them how to tell this mountain to be cast into the sea because all of those are of belief and all those things that are that 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 swirl in our mind begins to impact mental health. Go back to the garden right God gave them specific commands of every tree you could, of every tree you can eat. The enemy comes and he begins to question. That's what happens with many of us. Whether it's a business deal, a situation, a relationship, you feel like God's giving you a word. Is it really? And the questions begin to swallow. And the enemy gets a foothold. But when you walk in unbelief long enough, it becomes a stronghold to keep you from moving into your purpose and your destiny. You know. In the garden, when the enemy came, the serpent came to the woman, he began to question not only who God, what God said, who God was and what he said to her. And then it began, well, he didn't say eat, he said don't touch, right? And this is what the Jewish people did, right? I mean, God gave them like a hundred and some laws and now they have 300, they're like, oh, don't even touch it. Don't even go near there. You know, it, it, they expanded it, but that's not what God said. What did he say, you know? When he talks about, the Bible talks about not adding one jot or tittle, because even that little question, oh, he said, don't touch. Let's imagine that's a jot or tittle, right? Which typically is like the exclamation point or whatever. But just think about that. Just changing the word like "no eat or don't touch. Because you touch, then nothing happened, right? So you're like, oh, well, okay, well, nothing happened. But maybe what the enemy is saying is true. They said, well, he didn't say don't touch. He said don't eat. Those, those little words. It's a little, you know. It was a little foxes full, of the whole, the whole lot, and that's where we're at. So, you know, part of how do we navigate mental health is first of all we have to realize that it's a real crisis. A lot of it does come from the spirit of fear. Some of it is a physiological dynamic, because unfortunately, when you believe the wrong things long enough, your body creates chemicals, cortisol levels, dopamine levels, things that should make you happy that begin to make you sad. There's actually a physiological response to unbelief, which actually can lead to ailments, leads to inflammation. I mean, there's so many scientific things that that we talk about that really impact mental health. Because when you're worried about your physical health, it can impact your mental health. And when you go to the doctor, you have a real physical diagnosis, right? So it's not like you're making it up. But a lot of that comes from what you believed about something from the very beginning. Your mind creates, uh, your body creates different chemicals, right, that actually create these different types of inflammation, things like that. But it all stems from our mental health. And much of our mental health stems from our spiritual health. And this is where the churches can really, really, as we look into this from a different lens, from the heart of God for every believer not just for salvation, but to be set free from torment. And torment comes from the mind. We're tormented in your mind. First, wiseness, peace, and joy. Most of us know a lot of unhappy Christians, unhappy believers, because they're, you know, toiling in the faith. It doesn't come with joy. Like, I'm sacrificing for Jesus. Jesus was a martyr for all of us. Right? And even those people that that gave up their lives for the sake of the gospel. Like so many times they go with joy, unwavering faith. It's one thing to die though for the gospel, but can we live? Will you live for it? Will you uphold the tenets of faith? Will you uphold the tenets of the word of God? Will you believe and have faith above all else, no matter what the circumstances are? Will you confess that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Will you declare the word of the Lord that the enemy is trampled under your feet? or you believe what you read in the newspaper or what you see in the news? Will you believe a prognosis over the diagnosis that Jesus said by your stripes, you are healed? And that healing may come in different ways. It may come through chemo. It may come through different ways. It may come through a, a word spoken over. The Bible says that, you know, when you receive a prophet, name a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. What's the prophet's reward? The outcome of what the prophecy is. But it also says we pray in part, we prophesy in part. Are you walking in agreement with that prophetic word? Are you sitting around waiting for something to happen? Well, it depends on what you believe. See, if you believe that you can do all things through Christ who you, then you're going to partner with that word. You believe that you receive a prophet's reward from receiving the prophet, and you believe those things. So, you know, in modern times, you know, a lot of prophetic people have been under attack. But you know what it's 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 there's a certain amount of, of um truths and mistruths to that, right? Why? Because we assume that when we get a prophetic word that it's for right now. And part of partnering with the prophetic word, is it for today or is it for the future? I, I work with a lot of women and sometimes God has shown you who the husband is, but God's still working on it. But if you marry them prematurely right? Then later on, you begin to question, well, I don't know. Well, The the problem wasn't so much that he was not supposed to be your husband, but you jumped into it, right? Because you jumped into a relationship and the person wasn't being spirit-led. They had not yet reached that point where they could be an effective leader for you as a woman. And so so walk out the prophecy. That's great. But is it for right now? Or is it for a future time? before a year from now. And so we, we we become critical of that person, right? Of the prophets and things like that that are happening. And so it's really important that we process these things with God. Because you could see that a person who has had trauma, and I could tell you having worked on the Christ support line, there's a lot of not nice people out there in the world. There are people who are broken. There are people who are hurt. Who have been hurt and they and they lead their families, they lead businesses. I've been doing corporate training for 20 years. I see business leaders who leave from a place of brokenness. <laughs> it happens. Um, what are areas of brokenness? Rejection, um, not being validated, um, just from people. And so when you face these rejections, sometimes your desire is to prove yourself. Because you've been rejected by people who um, should love you, by parents, people who don't validate you, people who don't know how to steward your gifts, people who don't want to pour into you because maybe it it wasn't done for them. But rather than spending all of our energy focusing on what a person didn't have, how do we go to the word of God and find out what did God put in us? If I'm made in your image, how did you make me? What does that look like? What do I need to believe? What do I need to be walking into to see the manifestation of all that you said about me in the word? But if you judge the word of God by your experience, by the rejection you felt, by the way your parents may have abused you. And again, I am not by any means saying these things don't happen. That's not the point. The point is at some point, we must release forgiveness. At some point, we must release the love of God at some point we must elevate the truth of the word of God over our life and our circumstances. Not because it's easy, but because it's a thing that's going to set us free. But if we allow all those other things to be the thing that 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 dominates our thought process, then we miss on the opportunity to see the manifestation of God's truth into our lives. And it's a process. Some things will come more readily and more easily and other things are gonna take time. And so those are the, the tenets of how mental health crisis is, is you know, I don't know I, I, the word I use is incubate. It's been incubated in our churches. It's been incubated in our homes. It's only the outcome that comes later that we see that, oh, this is a mental health crisis. But it started long before you identified what it was. My mom always said, you know, Sin always takes us further than we want to go, keeps us longer than what we want to stay, and makes us pay more than what we want to pay. And most of us can, can, can relate to that. We'll start off with something simple. I mean, I, I know people who are drug addicts. You have know, one person that, that used drugs and, and nothing happened, they moved on from it, and that was it. There's other people that used it, and their lives have been tormented for years and years through addiction. But even addictions can be placed under the blood of Jesus Christ. The finished work of Christ is sufficient. How people walk that out? That's our, that's our role as believers. Jesus, when he sent the disciples out, he sent them out imperfect. Even up until his death, they still had unbelief in their areas. And most of us are waiting to be perfected before we follow through what God has called us to do. And so the mental health crisis is something that I feel like that we really need to take a hold of. We need to reevaluate what are we saying? Are we elevating things of Christ, the things of God, above what we're above our own thoughts, our own ideas, our own beliefs, own experiences? Because if we don't, we give the enemy a foothold. I'll let you tell me he's not going to start with a foot. He's going to start with. He's going to make it a stronghold, and strongholds are much, much more um, challenging to overcome because now we have layers of unbelief. Layers, you know. Jesus said, "I could do no mighty miracles." Because the faith was mixed with unbelief. And while we can agree with the word of God, that's different than believing the word of God. See, when I believe that, if, if Tristan said he's sending me a check for $1,000, I'm looking in the mail. I'm going to the mail every day, right? But if Tristan has a history of saying, I'm going to send you that check, and i like, oh, Tristan, if I send that check next month, you know, I'm going to call him and say, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to do that. So I stop believing. That's why people don't pray. Why don't we pray? And John Jesus says, well, I'll find faith in the earth. And he's like, of course he's going to find faith in the earth. But will he? When we look at the last couple of years, will he really find faith in the earth? Because see, when you believe that that check's in the mail, you're checking. You're checking that bank account for that direct deposit. You're going to the mailbox. I mean, it's a hundred and some degrees where I'm at, right? But if, if somebody, if he said that check's in the mail, I'm going in a hundred degrees, I'm sweating, but I'm going to, you know, because I got to get to the bank before it closes, right? Why? Because I believe it. Your body physiologically responds to what you believe. So, while you can agree, like, "Oh, I know I'm healed in Jesus' name. That's great," but do you have the same response to that healing as you do if that you if you believe that checks in the mail? Are you jumping for the same kind of joy? Because see, your body responds to healing from a physiological standpoint. There are literally, literally. Only spiritual consequences and consequences not be bad or good to spiritual truths and realities. And when you think on things that are good, pure, lovely, report of good report, that's it. Joshua and Caleb believed that they would enter in. And just on that belief, it didn't matter what they saw because they believed they would enter in. The other 12 spies, they didn't go because they didn't believe, they agreed with what had been told for them for 40 years. 20 years right but the truth of the matter is they agreed with it and a lot of us agree with the word we agree that it's true but when it comes time to enter the promises we don't believe and then those 10 went back and, and led everybody else in unbelief this is kind of what religion does right and then God said well you can't enter it in they're like oh we're gonna try to go anyway right It's like it's not happening and this is what where a lot of us are. And so the tenets of mental health truly is asking the right questions. What am I believing? Breaking down the strongholds so that it becomes a foothold, so it becomes no more. There are real issues related to how we think about life, the things that go through our head, the things that we think. But the tenets of us overcoming the mental health crisis that we're experiencing today in this day and age is going to be, are we going to believe God over every situation and circumstance? Are we going to believe that we are well able, that we will have the promises that God has for us? When he says the promises of yea and amen, do you believe it? Do you believe I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us? I can tell you unbelief is not just in in the non-Christian world, it's in the church as well. I've learned so much work in the crisis support line. You know what I learned? I learned this stuff. When we learn the Bible, it works in real life. Just even breaking down the tenets of some of the things that we talked about here in the lives of unbelievers actually help set them free. There are a lot of people that believe with spiritual, um, the spirit realm about different things. And even breaking those agreements to non believers can give them a certain amount of freedom that they can pursue the things of God. But they weren't Christians when it happened. God is faithful. He's a good father. And some people don't know what a good father is. But he says in his word that if you being evil not to give to, give good gifts to your children, how much more is your heavenly father not to give good gifts to his children? And if you ask for bread, would I give you a stone? Just you ask for me to fish would I give you a scorpion? For so many of us, that's what we believe. So when he's asked, will I find faith in the earth when I come? Of course he will. But if we look around now, even our own lives, our faith is mixed with so much unbelief. And it's causing us to have a breakdown of our mental health, our soul. What is our soul? Our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. While emotions are are, are part of life, God made us that way. Just like our will, when we have to will to not walk into temptation, we also have to submit that will to the Holy Spirit and say, without the Holy Spirit, I have no ability to overcome sin. But with the Holy Spirit, I can. Our emotions are all the things that make us fretful. And fearful, right? All that's become in subjection to the spirit. The Bible says the spirit leads us into all truth. All truth. But we like to say, oh well, you know, the the Bible says that, you know, his ways are not our ways, and our ways are not our, are, are not his ways. And that's true. But you know what made David so great? He sought the ways of God. You know what made Moses so awesome? He sought the ways of God. And sometimes we misconstrue the Bible as these absolutes. And it is true that God's ways are not our ways. But we can learn his ways. But we stop at that. We don't try to learn his ways. Because, well, his ways are not our ways, sister. His thoughts are above our thoughts. Um, we supposed to have to mind the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. The truth is not always about right or wrong. How could you say that? Well, Paul talks about in Romans that there are things that you might eat that for me may feel like a sin for me to eat, but for you it's not. How do I know? Because the Holy Spirit will bear witness with me. I won't be led by peace, kingdom of God, is righteousness, peace, and joy. And so what may have be peace for me may not be peace for you. That's the truth that the Holy Spirit is leading you into. That man may be the right person for you, but maybe it's not the right time. Well, how do you know? Because you have peace about walking alongside that person. Mental health comes when we don't put those things in the right perspective. When we elevate the things of the world, the things of our friends, even people will pray for us. I mean, they mean well, but when they pray, are they asking Holy Spirit to give them the words for your situation? Or are they praying their thoughts about your situation? Because there's a difference. We talk to our friends and our girlfriends. don't have opinions. I mean, how many of us have been in relationships and we broke up and like, oh, I never liked that person. Before. You've been asking this person to pray with you, right? They've been praying with you and they're like, they didn't like you. And the Bible says we're two or three agree. So how are, you agreeing, how are you agreeing with me on something that you didn't even think was right for me? It happens all the time. Whether it's a job or this or that, or you should have told that person this, or you should tell your parent this, or you shouldn't let your sister do that. And I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't. When the Holy Spirit leads you into all truth, The person praying with you should be asking the spirit, what should you do in that situation? Because there are times where you should turn the other cheek, and there's times where you gotta pull out that sword, and like Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Because in that same breath where Jesus said, where Jesus asked the disciples, Who do you say that I am? And Jesus, and and Peter says that thou art the Son, the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And then Two minutes later get behind me saying what does that mean that means even our family friends and loved ones who have our best interests peter loved jesus right he was zealous about it even when he made mistakes but think about it we all have friends that love us but when they pray for us when they speak into us are they really asking the holy spirit what the best situation for for our circumstance that present circumstance is or are they leaning onto their own devices. Everybody loves the proverbs. Oh, trust the Lord with all that heart and lean onto their own understanding. Then God tells you to do something like, "Well, oh, why? Why should I do that? Why should I go? Why should I be the first person to do that?" Yeah, that part because you you're leaning your own understanding, and most of us do. A while here, it's most people between that and you know Psalm 22, everybody's favorite verses. But nine out of ten. People are looking for their own understanding even you know give them prophetic words right like, I understand what that means you're not supposed to you only say what the father says he tells you to stop talking you stop talking your understanding is inconsequential to the prophetic word you're supposed to give that person they understand so as we begin to navigate through mental health I really believe there's a space that the body of Christ has to really help make an impact And the Bible says, you know, if my people are called by my name or humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. And so many of us are looking to the world to turn from their wicked ways, but it doesn't say that. It says if we would turn from our wicked ways. Well, what are our wicked ways? Unbelief. Because pretty much everything we do, every sin falls into one area. Unbelief why do i why do i you know go to work and and i'm unethical in my business because i don't have belief that god's going to provide why do i marry someone or or live in sin because i don't have belief that god's really going to bring me a good husband why do i you know embezzle or do these other kind of things because i don't believe that god's going to be a way maker why do we have kidneys and stuff being sold on the black market and all these things like what trafficking Because I don't believe that God's going to provide that for me. I don't believe that he can do a creative miracle. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. What's seeking my face? What do I do in this situation? I know what John did. I know what Mary did. What do I do? Humble myself and say, God, without you, I don't have a solution to this. Without you, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. My mind says, Well, you know, John left this, you know, on the table, <laughs> but his money is available in the account. Man, I've been there. I, I, all the things I'm saying, I've done, I've been through all of that. I haven't done it right. But if we're honest, most of us haven't. Why do people cheat on taxes? Because they don't believe that God's going to make a way. We have these cliches, oh, you know, death and taxes. I mean, it's all these things. They're just, They're they're written into our cliches. They're written into our language. But we're speaking death over our finances, over our kids. You know? But if my people were called by my name, but humble themselves and pray, why don't we pray? Can we really stop believing? that God's going to really answer. Turn from our wicked ways. What is the wicked way? The unbelief that we have about everything. And the, and, and let me tell you about unbelief. Unbelief is, is an interesting thing. Because see, you could believe God for your salvation, right? I'm dying and going to heaven. And there are people who are, I'm dying, no, I'm going to heaven when I die. That's great. They believe that without sight unseen. But when it comes to healing, oh God, well, I don't know. If it's your will, um, it's his will, because he said it's my will that you're healed, right? We don't believe that. Relationships, same thing. So you can have belief in one area, like salvation, but not have belief in another area. You can have belief about finances, but not about healing. You can have belief about healing, but not about finances. That's the thing about unbelief. So when Jesus says, and God says, will I find faith in the earth? It's faith in his word, faith in his promises, faith in who God says he is, his character. I mean, the children of Israel were 40, 40, you know, the, the journey, right? 40 years in the wilderness. And when Moses asked to see, you know, God, I mean, there's so many things. They have been through wars, they have fought all kinds of stuff. Think about it. But the reality of it is, God showed them this goodness, this compassion, this kindness. And if we as a church don't address mental health from that standpoint, we're missing it. Other spiritual forces that we need to navigate through, absolutely, but only after we seek first the kingdom. So you know, when we talk about the whole children of Israel in the, in the wilderness, it was an eleven day journey, right? It took them forty years, twenty years. I mean, all the different things they got there, they didn't. They really got turned back, you know, go around in circles, right? And and that's how God is with us, you know. I think Chris Ballman said, and it, it just it, it was the most. Probably one of the most disturbing things I ever heard in my life was, <laughs> you know, you're in the wilderness for as long as it takes you to figure out, to get it right. And sometimes we think, oh, I'm in this, this is the enemy that's attacking us. And no, sometimes you're in the wilderness because you got a hard head. Sometimes you're in the wilderness because you're not believing that you can enter in. So don't take the next step. It's not just because God's trying to teach us a lesson. That may be true. True, but the real truth is that you've been trying to do this lesson for 10 years and you haven't learned it, you can't progress. You can't get to the next level. So, the idea of mental health and the challenges that we face people are being tormented, Christians that are being tormented, oppressed, unbelief, wanting to commit suicide. Why? How? how do we walk alongside those people sometimes we have to be a compassionate presence and you know part of that is taking your judgment off our judgment off. because if you start judging why they did what they did and what they did and what they didn't do you can't be a compassionate presence and while the, i hear people say oh we're supposed to you know judge unbelievers judge believers and things like that i says Judge not lest you be judged In the same manner that you judge, will be judged unto you. And it doesn't mean we don't hold people accountable. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the lens of judgment when a person is feeling suicidal, feeling depressed, feeling lost. And rather than giving them a Christian ease and a Christian language of just have faith, brother, just have faith, sister, it's gonna be okay. We walk alongside them with the compassion that Jesus had. Do we kneel down in the dirt with that person and just be a compassionate presence? Or do we blurt all out their mouth? I've been at. Do we ask Jesus, what do I say in this moment? Because I can tell you, working in the Christ support line, sometimes there's you say nothing. Sometimes just hosting the presence is enough for the moment. You don't think there's a lot of things Jesus could have said? No one was caught in adultery. Of course, it was Jesus, but He said, "Neither do I condemn you." It's really hard to deal with mental health when you have your own. We have our own judgments on why a person in a situation. We blame them, and we become the accusers. And the words of our mouth gives the enemy a foothold. Not only in their life, but in our life, because again, the same way we judge others is judged back to us. You know, and so we just, um, as I wind it down again, um, so many different tenets that I, I love to talk about. And I am writing a book called um, "God, Faith, Religion, and the Mental Health Crisis," and I have, I'm launching this month the Soul Freedom Magazine, which just highlights some of the different stories, and more in short story form. Because we can get all technical and all of that and just, you know, that part. But there's some real truths. I feel like God has just shown me in different scenarios such as the Disney princess characters and, in you know, the Tygons and Ligers and things. that I've, I've never heard of that. I'm like, that's real, you know? I mean, the picture that came up was of animals mating. I'm like, that's not a screensaver that I want, but what? That's how that's possible. <laughs> there you go. Um, so many truths in little things. God will speak through anything. And religion says, God only not speak this way or that way. And it's just not true. He'll speak through a donkey. He will speak through a movie. He'll speak in circumstances. He'll speak through unbelievers. Some of the best words of wisdom I've gotten were unbelievers were speaking to me. And it's like, well, how do I know? Because I was just praying about that. And some person, I don't even know, believes in prayer. Confirm the word spoken. because unbelievers, many of them are pre-believers, but since you don't know who they are, they're just pre-Christians. And so the mental health space is very vast and wide, but there are certainly different steps that the church can do to really begin to mitigate and clean up our house, to make sure the people in our lives are happy, happy, healthy, and whole. And I'll close with this. You know, Chris talks about, Chris Valden talks about A time where there was a number of people who had been healed. I think it was like three to five people. Within so many years, many people had passed away. They had died after getting a miraculous healing. Talk talking about what that looks like. Well, if we look at some of the sciences and things like that, from epigenetics to quantum physics and faith, they lacked wholeness. So while they had a physical healing, their heart wasn't healed. The brokenness wasn't healed the issues that a lot of times that contribute to exacerbating symptoms were not healed. When the 10 lepers went to Jesus, he sent them away all healed. But the one came back and said, thank you. And he said, you should be made whole. Well, what does that mean about the other 10? Were they just physically healed but not made whole in their spirits? Were their mind and emotions still messed up from being lepers, from being rejected from society for so long? What was the difference between the guy made whole and the ones that were just healed? Think about soul freedoms and why it's so important to me because I've seen people that were healed, but they weren't made whole because out of the mouth, the heart speaketh. I don't have to guess. I'm just listening to what the words that are coming out of their mouth the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the anger, the frustration, the disappointment, the brokenness. That's where their heart is. So am I pray for a physical healing? Do I believe in that? Absolutely. I love the prayer rooms. Up there. But when do we help people get made whole? Because science has a lot, of lot of testimonies of people to so when they release that forgiveness, when they release that bitterness, when they release that anger, when they release their parents. I can't tell you, how I many people call, the, the, the crisis line, and they want to kill their parents. They wish their parents were dead. Adults who have harbored anger and the spirit of murder over their parents, and they wonder why they can't have victory in their lives. And some of the things that parents do, they're atrocious, don't get me wrong. But the wrath of man will never produce the righteousness of God. Holding in the anger, bitterness, and all those things. It's never gonna set you free. It's bondage. Luke 418 talks about us being set free from the oppression, from the captivity. And I assure you that much of that is in unforgiveness and bitterness. That the enemy has used as strongholds over our lives. But the thing is, it starts in the church out of bitterness and brokenness in the church? If my, if we can be free, how do we set people free if we're not free? How does a sick person make another sick person well? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways of unbelief, seek my face, then I will hear from heaven I will heal the land. We need to refocus our energies to healing, uh, turning from our wicked ways and, and, and coming to God like Daniel did in Daniel chapter nine. We have fallen short. We have failed. We have sinned. We have turned against you. We, even the most righteous of us, we have fallen short because we've looked at our own self righteousness as a healing grace, and then we have upheld somebody else who's unrighteous and compared them to what our righteousness is. And said, If you just do this, then you'll be okay. It's not our righteousness that we're measuring against. We've fallen sh- short because we have pride. You know what made the devil the devil? He was the most anointed cherub, it says. Beautiful. Until he said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will. How many of us have I wills? I will never let go of this person. I will never forgive no matter what Jesus says. I will never. We have our I wills too. It was easy to look at the enemy. But you know what he did with Eve? He has translated the I wills into so many different things. He says, you too can be like the most high. That's why he got kicked out of heaven. He goes to Eve and said, you can have an I will too. I will be like God, knowing both good and evil. That's what he learned. Those I wills are still running rampant in our world today. We exalt so many things above the things of God. And until we put mind, will, emotions, and subjection to the Holy Spirit and the word of God, the Logos word and the word, we're gonna always have double-mindedness. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And much of mental health comes from the double-mindedness that has plagued our society today. So thank you so much for this opportunity to share
0: um, what you blessed life. absolutely beautiful um i I totally um felt a lot of that um with some things that I have going on like the whole belief thing um yeah it's like you can be held by um circumstances that you believe will never change you know and you're and then you realize like like you were just saying, I was just realizing like, oh, wow, I'm believing it will never change. I'm not believing that God can change it. But then I'll tell myself like, oh, God, I believe in you. I believe that you can do this. But why is it that I say I say something different? You know, I totally understand that. And that that really was that entire message is beautiful. Um, I I I know this wasn't in our questions, but I feel like I need to ask you Um a lot of people struggle hearing the voice of God or they believe that they can't hear the voice of God, things like that, you know. Um, it can't, like you were touching on, it could be in the flowers, it can be, you know, in animals. Um, how can we recognize the voice of God? Um, how do you recognize it? That's a great, great question. Let me tell you this. The Bible
1: says, believe when you pray. Mm-hmm. So if you believe that your father hears you when you pray, then the things that typically pop in your head, that the answers that come follow are can oftentimes be God's answer. Mm-hmm. The thing is that we pray, we don't believe God speaks back to us. So we believe we don't hear him. And then we confess that we don't hear him. I don't hear God's voice. God is called Jehovah. He's a relational God. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't create a creation that didn't speak back to him. Mm-hmm. Why would he put eternity in our hearts? can't. So the first thing we have to do in hearing the voice of God is. Repent for our unbelief. Repent that a God who would uh, hear deaf ears and cure the mute doesn't want us to hear him nor speak back to him. Mm. That's part of it. The other part is, is, you know, reading the word and being around, you know, believing believers. Mm. So important. Yeah. I didn't tell you, you're better off being around, you know, um, believing unbelievers and to be around unbelieving believers or unbelieving unbelievers, you know, because at least they speak life into you. Mm-hmm. You got to know that the voice of God can come through anything. Um, Dante Bowie has the voice of God. I love that song. It could be in the raindrop. It could be in so many things. Mm-hmm. But when you believe God is good, you believe he speaks. That's That's you such- believe his word is true. So I think the first step in hearing the voice of God is asking for forgiveness for times or for confessing that we don't. Because the mind believes what you tell it to believe. And that is how the mind works. If you tell it, it doesn't hear it, it doesn't believe it. And so it doesn't hear it. It'll hear something. And Bill Johnson's talking about it all the time, like you'll have a whole group of people that'll, you know, half the group experience a revival and half not, why?
0: What do they believe? Mm. it's true it's true um with me i i've been recognizing him in um multiple different ways like i'll be praying and i'll i'll feel him like i'll feel him like encountering me like which is really weird but like i just feel his uh presence rest on me it's not weird it's amazing that's what it is that's the word i meant it's um it's indescribable how it just rests and then it stays. And then it, sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like I'm just walking with him all the time. And I just love that. Um, and right before I go into hard situations, I ask for that same uh, presence to fall on me. I ask for him to just be with me. And then I feel him through that whole situation. It seems like every time that happens, um, that I, when I do that, I'm recognized, I feel like that is his word because his presence it it takes me into that situation and changes that situation rather than when i walk into that situation that situation would have been harder without him there you know and Mm -hmm. um i can realize the the shifting of the atmosphere with his presence in that um also supposed
1: to be led by peace and and that's a huge thing that -hmm. people are not led by peace the kingdom of god is righteousness peace and joy and when we're navigating through difficult situations or circumstances, we have a decision to make. If we're not led by peace, what are we being led by? That's sure. How do you have a peace that passes all understanding? And if it's a difficult situation, if peace isn't what's leading you. Yeah.
0: That's true. And I think a lot of people walk into situations with that fear, like you're talking about. Like Chris Volodon says, um, fear is faith in the wrong God. And I love that. I use, I use that all the time because um, I, whenever I feel myself getting afraid, I'm like, well, I have faith in the God who overcame fear. He overcame death of all things. Like he, he, he loved me so much. He came down to the earth as, as a man and experienced everything that we experience, the fear, the rejection, the oppression, experienced everything and then took it all. And died so that we can be in intimacy with him and have a relationship with him and that that is so beautiful um and that that brings peace to me knowing that he knows what i'm going through you know like he knows he knows what is happening he's been through um the rejection he's been through the uh harsh words being said you know um
1: absolutely absolutely you know and and the the interesting
0: thing about even what
1: you're saying and I, i believe it to be true but even as we navigate through the unchurched and they don't have a lot of that language, you know, fear is also what am I believing that isn't true? Doesn't align with the word of God, because, again, yes, believing, you know, faith in the wrong God. Absolutely. But even a step beyond that, what am I believing about a situation that doesn't align with a God who says he didn't give us the spirit of fear? Mm. And even with non-believers, like, OK, what are you believing? What are you believing? That's that's true. You know, um, I think I think the statistic is 80% of all fears of things that people are afraid of never happen, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're afraid of dogs, you know, okay, what am I believing? Well, I had an experience a dog bit me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes the, the, that place comes home more to it. It's, it's the dynamic of what are the, the lies we're believing. And there's so many layers to it. And it's not just one thing. And I think that we've tried to fragment it to one part. Mm. but if you as you face and navigate through different challenges of your life what is it about God that you're not believing what's about his word that's not happening mm. because then you could thwart it off and you don't have to deal with that anymore you know more and more what happens you begin to identify the lie you break the lie and the soul freedom idea is to break the source of the lie yeah mm. we believe in healing healing is great but I want to get to the source of why you have anxiety why you don't have peace in your sleep? Why you can't do the Bible talks about that. You should have sweet, you know, a peaceful sleep. Mm-hmm. If You're not having peaceful sleep. And then there's something about that's happening. That's not aligning with the word of God, right? The truth, mm-hmm. even a person that's not a non-believer can identify things that they may be believing that's not true. Mm-hmm. And this is how, for me, it's like, how do I translate this Christianese? Again, I've been in church my entire life to so just the average language of the world person. Bring them to a place of some type of freedom and it introduced them to the God that I serve. Wow. I know that I've literally have casted demons out of people. Mike, you know, they're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a schizophrenic, affective, or whatever. They're like, okay, you just ask questions, whatever. And it's like, well, have you done anything like with, you know, spirit realm, Ouija board, or whatever? Some people like, oh, no, but I've done this. Well, I do crystals. I do that. Like, okay. So sometimes we open the doors to the spirit realm. And we're not equipped to deal with all that that entails. Wow. And it begins to torment us. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. These are real scenarios. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. I Okay, I see that. Because so we got to break agreement and shut those doors. Mm. Okay. And it's not always in Jesus' name. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so I break agreement with this, with that, that, so forth and so on. And now I come look, no, I believe in Jesus. Um. And so I'm going to pray in Jesus name. And I had this—I literally had it like, okay, good. I, believe in, you know, I believe in God too, or, you know, whatever they will say that. They believe in God or the universe, not that. But okay, we'll go with it. I'm not going to debate theology with the person because that's just not where I'm at, right? No I'm working. And so we were going to break agreements. Hmm. I break agreements with this lie. I break agreement with this situation. I just walk them through agreements that they need to break based on the thing that they've told me. They're hmm. not necessarily confessing, you know, Jesus, whatever. But I break agreement for that moment. Mm-hmm. Now, the Bible talks about, you know, when the, the, the house is swept and that person is walking on belief, it'll come back worse. And and so I, I understand those things. But to keep a person from killing themselves, or that, that somebody can minister to them, mm-hmm. we got to get them off the ledge, right? Um, So I, I did. I mean, I've broken people and I can do this. You'd be gone. He breaks a room with you. That's it. You you have no authority there because the authority's not been broken. I remember the guy like, yeah, he's gone. You know, he's going out online. On this is all chatting. And chat and um and, and phone calls, it's not even in person, right? Mm-hmm. And then people feel that peace of God, that past all understanding. Mm-hmm. Because even non-believers are believing lies that you can break through mm-hmm. to get to the spiritual truth. It's like, you know, it's like a, you know, it's just like a ball of yarn, right? I mean, you gotta type peeling it through. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I used to work for a psychologist and so one of the things that I tell people, like, well, what's the difference between psychology and inner healing? And I say, you know, in psychology, we're asking the individual to assess why they are where they are, we assess their childhood, assess their risk. In inner healing, we're asking the Holy Spirit to break through that ball of yarn, right? Because for that person, it's, it's a bunch of things. It's not one thing. But they've spent years in therapy. They have to break through. We ask so it's Spirit to go straight through to bring, that, that, bring out that memory, bring out that thing that will help them navigate through, um, find out what the source, of the unbelief of the source of the trauma right um those kind of things that becomes important and then and i'm and i'm an advocate for mental health and, and so i'm going to quantify that i mean the mental health person now works alongside with them to break down those barriers but then we know what the sources mm-hmm. a lot of times in the psychology they're just trying to deal with what's on the surface right mm-hmm. instead of getting to the core issue of that mm-hmm. i mean and I, i've had people that have I felt rejection um from some random thing like um one lady um was in the hospital as a child and the mom and, and they had a younger sibling and the mom basically said that um oh you know what uh, i have to leave you i wish i could stay right i'll leave and go take care of your sibling and the sibling was much younger than the person who wasn't like they could be at home alone you know what i mean yeah so the person was left in the hospital And from that soul wound, whatever that interpretation was, it was interpreted as rejection. And that person, though they had a a relatively healthy relationship with the the sibling, um, Mm -hmm. up until that point, they began to resent and reject the film because they felt rejected. They felt the parent chose the sibling over them. Mm -hmm. And even as we're talking about how, well, the sibling couldn't be left alone, right? Mm -hmm. But what that person interpreted was rejection. And this person had um, very unhealthy aggression towards the sibling to where they were um, thinking murderous thoughts and were acting those murderous thoughts. And in their mind, they're like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. Mm. But as we begin to unravel it, again, and we weren't using Jesus because it's, again, this is work. Um, it was just going back. But I'm praying like, God, help me find the source of this anger, the source of this rejection. What happened? by asking you know, healthy, what we call open-ended questions for that person. Wow. So part of soul freedom isn't at all to take God or Christ out of it. That's not it. it's the source of everything that's made. But you know, the Bible says God gives gifts without repentance. And so we, while we wonder like, oh, well, the person, yeah, well, he still gives gifts without repentance. Yep. So how we use them is up to us. The significance of that is even an unbeliever may have gifts and may have things we build a trust in them because most of them have not had healthy experiences with christian people and i can tell you tons of stories and not just christianity but other religions right. i had a guy on there who was i'm of a different religion and they believed in reincarnation well his parents mistreated him he had a disability okay well or well, in your faith you know do you believe you know if a person's bad in their life then they come back as a bad person or something with a disability? Well, yeah, okay. So you're very angry because your parents treated you wrong. Well, yeah, how could they do this? How could they do that? That's true. But based on the tenets of your own belief, your own belief system is that a person who has a disability, a person who has these issues in their previous life, they were a bad person. So they came back with these issues because they were bad. Hmm. Aren't your parents just treating them based on the judgment that your religion says that they should come back as? So it's not just Christianity. It's a lot of re- religion as a whole has really done some things to mental health. Right? I mean, think about that think about having a child born with a disability and believing that the person that that child deserves that there's not healing available to that because you must have been bad in a previous life this is why you have this issue mm. and now you're angry at the parents for treating you like whatever because in your faith you have that
0: yeah that that's something that I, I really don't know much about is the different religions and stuff. And I think it's interesting how um, God, you know, something I made a TikTok video the other day, I was telling someone um, on the video, I felt like God wanted me to say it's someone that um, he loved you before you loved him, you know, and like, isn't that amazing? Like the the fact that um, no matter what I'm going through, when I was depressed, when I was going through everything, something that really comforted me at the other side was he was there the entire time, but I didn't know. I didn't recognize it, and that's that's a huge barrier. Yeah, that's a huge thing is not recognizing him when he's there. You know, like um, all the time, all through those days, I was saying, I wish I had someone to talk to. I wish I could, um, but I just can't talk. I I can't communicate this to someone. It's so hard. It's like I can't describe the um, depression that I'm feeling. I just don't want to get out of bed. You know, and that whole time I could have been talking to him. He I wouldn't even have to talk. He knew the entire situation I was going through. He's the only person, the only um, uh, only one that knew everything that I was going through. The only one that will ever know everything that I will go through, what I've what I have gone through. And that's so comforting to know, you know, that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and I,
1: I think I- is where religion really does a disservice. Um, mostly because of the religious across the board in general, not anyone particularly, but mm-hmm. rather than spending time, help people understand as Paul says, the depth, the width, and the length of how much God loves us. We spend most of our time talking about how much we love God and why we do these things because we love God. And while we say, oh, he first loved us, we say it more as a cliche, mm-hmm. not really embracing the love of a father. Truly. Because when you begin to understand and embrace the love of a father, even if you haven't had one, a lot of us have an idea what a loving father would be like. Mm. If we saw God with that, if it was taught to us and preached to us and instilled in us, we have this loving father who's kind and gracious. Yes, is he come at judge at time? Of course, but he's not judging us. But he says, I'm a father love is he chasing it?" Yeah. The truth of the matter is, without having that loving father, without that understanding of the love of a father, Mm. what do you draw from? People cannot give what they don't have. We often ask people to pour into us what our parents and people, what hasn't been poured into them. Mm. Their well is dry. They don't understand the father. They haven't embraced the father's love. If they haven't, then guess what? Mm. Mm How do they pull from that? How do they pull from that? How do they turn the other cheek? How do they do anything that we're telling them to do in in religions if they don't have a full grasp of the father's love?
0: Yeah. And that was the main problem is like um, before I even knew him, I started to realize that like I didn't have his drawing from different things like nicotine, you know. Um, Oh, uh, girlfriends stuff like that you know drawing from unnecessary things that um you know everything in this world will fail but he won't you know um and he's a a never-ending well that we can draw from and that's so important to remember like and i know like you're saying like a lot of churches say that but a lot of people just hear it and let it go out the other ear you know like they hear it and like that's just another thing my grandmother used to say growing up you know But like when you truly recognize that, well, when you truly realize that, oh, my gosh, if if I put him in the center and have everything revolve around him, then he he's going to bleed into everything I do. You know, he's going to he's going to cover everything I do with his love. And then people who experience me are going to experience me in a different way, you know, and absolutely.
1: Well, and that's I mean, and that's a lot of the tenants of Bethel, which, you know, I know they get a lot of flack from, but it's like you go to church you tell people the whole, you know, premise of salvation is that all of your sins, and while we were yet sinners, the Christ died for us, are nailed to the cross, right? Then you spend every Sunday talking about people's sin nature. So which one is it? Mm. Versus talking about, I'm a new creation, what does that look like? How do I walk in the love and authority of a God? Because the idea is if you're telling a person that all their sins are pinned at the cross in the beginning of time, Right? From the foundation of the earth once the you know the, the fruit was eaten he's like look he already said look the this, she's gonna her kid's gonna bruise your heel. that's it jesus is coming he already knew from the beginning of, the, of time so you go to church you're telling people forgiven i mean again, going back to this double-mindedness that's that's peppered throughout all the language of, of, of a lot much religion and much christendom mm-hmm. and then you spend all the time making the person feel worse about their sin reinforcing the language of condemnation shame and guilt mm-hmm. either your sins are forgiven or they're not they can't be both mm-hmm. i used to work for the parole department mm-hmm. you know it's like i did my time i did my crime did my time that's it mm-hmm. and sometimes that is true but yeah. it, it does it stop you from doing the crime again until you get to the core of what the issue is mm-hmm. and this is and this is again going back to this double-mindedness how is religion really impacted some of the, the thought processes that are leading to the measurement of the crisis that we have. Because if you tell a person that they're forgiven, right, mm-hmm. that their debt's paid, we have great, great knowledge of what that looks like. But then everything after that is how they can earn their way back to that place of wholeness. Mm-hmm. If the person could overcome their sin, they would have done it. Because I know people, if they would do better, if they knew better, they'd be better. And sometimes they won't, but at least it's a choice. Mm-hmm. We have to come to the Holy Spirit and say, I don't have the power to overcome this. The Old Ten Commandments was like, I don't have the power to, to overcome my sin. I, you proved it because I'm breaking all of them. And I'm mm-hmm. doing atonement all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So this is where we have to shift to mm-hmm. the new creation model that should be, you know, and Paul talks about, you know, why are we still talking about baptism and this? You know, you're still drinking milk and you're 20 years into this thing right and we're still talking about that like you don't know you're not supposed to do a b and c well what am i supposed to do you don't know you don't have the power to overcome sin but if you're told that every sunday in church i mean how would you know Mm -hmm. because this is setting the foundation of what we what we believe
0: Mm -hmm. all right well we went a little bit over time Mm -hmm. but I've had no, no, it's fine. This was absolutely incredible. And, um, I just want to honor you, um, guys, I'm going to put all of her links below, um, because you are releasing a book soon, right? Um, yes. and in a magazine, um, and man, I would love to have you on again. I, I would love to, to continue pick up right where we were. Um, cause I really feel Holy spirit all over you. And I believe that God is, um, going to be taking you to the next level and um i mean even right now i'm sweating a little bit because i just am so excited to see where god's going to take you um and so yeah like i said guys i'm gonna put all the links below to our ministry um and i would love to just pray over you in your ministry i usually have you guys pray out but i would love to pray over you and then um as as well pray over all of you guys um so father i thank you for cat and I thank you that you have equipped her with the gifts um, that you give to everybody. That, But you've equipped her with special gifts, God, that are going to take her to the next level, God, that she's actually going to um, take take Chris Volodon's level and she's going to step up, you know, she's going to use his ceiling as her floor, God. And I th- and e- even like these great people in prophetic ministry, God, I, I just see her... Um, stepping into something that I can't even imagine, and that it's just going to change lives, God. And I thank you for her ministry, God, and I bless it in Jesus' name. And I bless everybody who's going to encounter it, that they'll be set free from um, anything, anxiety, depression. Um, And God, I ask that you continue to bless her vocal cords, that she can go into the nations and speak, and people will listen, God. And it's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. But also, God, I want to continue in blessing everybody that listen to this podcast. I ask that you'll um, comfort them in this time of heartache that they're going through or this time of joy that they're going through, God, but that you won't um, that you'll 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 ignore that they'll be able to acknowledge your comforting presence, that they'll they'll be able to recognize you in the day to day life. God, and it's in your name, I pray, Jesus. Amen. All right. We love you guys. Thank you guys so much for watching. Please be sure to hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so you can stay up to date with all Bethel Moments content.